You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Welcome to SciFair Christian Church. We are so glad that you came out on a beautiful Sunday morning to worship with us and praise our Savior. If you have not had an opportunity to look at our bulletin this morning, uh, we have some good opportunities for you. Uh, the first one we want to talk about is right in the center. You will see a list of numerous small group opportunities. Uh, we are about ready to kick off our next semester of life groups. And, and we have life groups for all different schedules, all different family types. There's probably something in here that fits what you're looking for. So if you're not in a life group, we would encourage you to take some time, uh, look through this list and see if there's one that fits what you're looking for. We also want to point out some opportunities for the kids. There's some brightly colored pictures right inside there. We have two events coming up. Uh, the first one is going to be happening this Friday night. It's called Crazy Cool Friday Night, and it's for kindergarten through second graders. There's going to be lots of fun activities and snacks, and there's going to be a special event for them. Plus, we'll take some time to talk about what it means to follow Christ at this. If you have a kindergartner through second grader or your, your child is coming, but they have a friend that wants to come, the deadline to sign up for this is this Wednesday. So would encourage you to go to the app or to the website or to my CFCC, fill out the form and get signed up. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. And we also have Superstart coming up. Uh, Superstart is one of the favorite events that I go to with the kids every year. Uh, it's for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And it's a conference designed to introduce kids to owning their own faith. Uh, a lot of times kids are in church because their parents are in church. And this is encouraging them to uh, make their faith their own. And also talk to them about how they can share their faith with their friends. On top of that, there is top-notch worship. We travel to just outside of Dallas for this and have an amazing couple of days. Uh, information on that is in here. And we would also like to point out that uh, in the back, you will see some more information about perspectives. The first class of perspectives is coming up in a little over a week. It's a wonderful chance for you to see how you can be involved with missions on a local level, on a global level, and what role you can play in it. So if that's something you're interested in, please read that. Contact uh, Doris Scott if you need more information. And find out how you can be a part of the work that is happening all over for God's kingdom. Good morning. I get asked from time to time to do the prayer devotion and always right when I'm asked, the first thing I start thinking is, what am I going to say, right? And I feel this burden to say something that is inspirational, right? That'll move hearts, that'll, that'll change people, that'll make them look at giving differently, look at, at how they love the Lord differently. And a few weeks ago, and Dale will probably be pretty surprised, I paid attention to a sermon. <laughs> he, put, uh, he put a saying up on the screen, and it said, Great joy flows in those who have experienced a great rescue. Think about that for a minute. Great joy flows in those who have experienced a great rescue. So my question to you this morning would be, what have you been rescued from? And what has that done to your heart? 
Joy is certainly something that happens from a great rescue. But I would submit to you that not only joy, but action and obedience comes from that. I had the opportunity when I was a young man, uh, we were working on electricity, and a man got hung up on electricity, and I tackled him off of that and virtually saved his life. He was about to be electrocuted. His name was Ken Mesh, and from that day forward, we had a bond uh, that was really tight because I had done something for him, right? I had saved his life. And I submit to you that Christ has done something for us so much more, right? He saved not only our lives, but our souls. And so my prayer this morning is, is, that, is that we would be changed and that we would feel such a burden, such a love for our Savior that our time, our talents, and our treasures, that we no, would no longer count them as ours. It's something that, that is ours to do with, but it's something that He's blessed us with. And some of us struggle with giving. Some of us have no struggle with giving. So my prayer this morning is that all of us would examine our hearts that we would truly consider that rescue that's happened in our life and that we would let it move us to obedience. Pray with me, please. Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you, Father, for uh, your rescue in my life. I thank you for uh, my salvation. I thank you for the salvation of these believers in this room who have come together to worship you. And so, Father, I pray now as we worship you through the act of giving that, Father, you would bless us, that you would bless these offerings, you would bless... Uh, these ties, and that, Father, you would use them, and they would use us to inspire each other um, to love you more uh, and to serve you. We praise you, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's so awesome uh, that God pursues us. Uh, God knows right where we find ourselves today. Uh, He loves us. Uh, he embraces us. So encouraging. Um, before we dive into the story today, I, I just want to thank you for your prayers and your text and your phone calls and your cards. Uh, as I've been through the last few weeks, the loss of my dad, and uh, he um, finished uh, his life on this earth uh, with a pretty tough struggle. Um, but I'm thankful for this last year, best year he's had in probably five years. And so he enjoyed life. He smiled a lot. And, um, as some of you have seen uh, me write or heard me say, he breathes deeply today. He walks strongly today. Um, he is in his forever home and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, If you have a Bible today, turn to Acts chapter 10. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 10 in a few moments. Maybe you would like uh, to take a Bible in front of you from the pew. Uh, We'd love to give that to you as a gift. Um, That's the the particular translation most of us teach in and really do mean that. Feel free to to take a copy um, with you. Um, We launch back into the series entitled Sent Today. Um, We have been taking a journey through the book of Acts. We will continue this journey um, right before Palm Sunday. And um, so just as a reminder, uh, I would like for you to look at Acts in three minutes one more time.
In my former video, Theophilus, I explained the life of Christ in three minutes. Now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. After being crucified, Jesus comes back to life and hangs out with the apostles. He tells them they will receive the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses. Jesus takes off. The disciples are gathered together on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrives. Tongues of fire hover over them, hence the logo. The disciples speak in tongues. Peter preaches the first sermon. 3,000 people get saved. God, one. Satan, zero. The end of Acts chapter 2 is written, providing mission statements for churches in the 21st century. Peter heals a lame man and preaches another sermon. Another 2,000 people get saved. Peter and John are thrown in jail. They're released. Peter and John celebrate with the other believers and pray for continued boldness. God rocks the house, literally. Ananias and Sapphira lie about their offering to the church and are struck dead. Contributions skyrocket. The apostles preach again. They are thrown in jail again. An angel releases them. They preach some more. The apostles nominate seven deacons to look after widows and orphans, including Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Stephen is stoned. Present at the stoning is a young man named Saul. We'll come back to that later. Persecution breaks out. Believers scatter. Things look bad for the church. Or do they? Wherever the believers go, they preach the word, thus fulfilling the Great Commission. God to Satan still zero. Philip meets a eunuch. The eunuch is baptized. Meanwhile, Saul is on his way to persecute believers in Damascus when Jesus appears. Saul is blinded. Saul is healed. Saul repents and begins preaching to the same people he intended to persecute. God three, Satan, well, you get the idea. Peter has a vision of unclean animals. Peter has an encounter with unclean Gentiles. He gets it. God has extended salvation to the Gentiles. Major game changer. Herod is eaten by worms. Barnabas and Paul start working together, traveling and preaching the word. By the way, I'm going to call Saul Paul now. I don't have time to explain why. Still with me? In Lystra, crowds attempt to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. They refuse to be worshipped and are stoned. The Lystrians are a tough crowd. Paul and Barnabas survive. Paul and Barnabas part ways. Paul and Silas team up. Timothy joins Paul and Silas. Paul circumcises Timothy. Paul receives a vision of a man from Macedonia asking for help. The party leaves for Macedonia. Spoiler alert, they are thrown in prison yet again. They sing. An earthquake loosens their shackles, but they stick around to lead the jailer to Christ. Yada, 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 more preaching. In Troas, Paul preaches for so long that the man falls asleep and plummets out a window to his death. The man is resurrected. Paul preaches some more. The man wishes he was dead. Paul returns to Jerusalem, where he is promptly arrested again. He is visited by the Lord, who assures him that Paul will testify about him in Rome. Paul feels better. Paul is transferred to Caesarea, where his case is caught up in red tape for two years. Finally, Paul appeals to Caesar and is put on a fast ship to Rome. The shipwrecks. Paul is bitten by a snake. At last, Paul makes it to Rome. He is placed under house arrest and continues to preach the gospel while awaiting trial. And that is all we know of Paul's story. Somewhere in there, he finds the time to write a few letters. Today, they comprise much of the New Testament. The New Testament is also where you'll find the book of Acts. The end. I love those videos. There are a lot of them um, on YouTube, and so just check them out. Um, so accurate, really. It makes us laugh, but a very accurate depiction uh, of the book of Acts, an overview of the book. Um, today, we're going to look at a crazy story. In the video, um, it's called A Major Game Changer. A lot of times in the book of Acts, we might overlook this story. Um, we should not because it is a major game changer. You and I would not be in this place today apart from the story we're about to look at. In this story, um, there's an individual who has a dream. And in this story, there's an individual that um, experiences a trance. All right. 
And, and so I don't know about you, um, vision, trance, um, I can't say I've ever had either one of those, even though sometimes, as I'll say later, uh, kind of feel like I'm in a trance, right? But I definitely have dreams. Do all of you have dreams? I can remember the earliest dream that I recall in my life. There's a utility trailer in my backyard that is like 50 years old. And we would get on that small trailer and we would run to the back of it and make the trailer flip up. You know what I mean? It's a really smart thing to do. Uh, not. And um, so I dreamed that the trailer flipped up and I flew. How many of you have had dreams where you flew? Raise your hand. It's a very, very common dream. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but how many of you do not dream? No, seriously. There, there is a small group of people who do not dream. I'm just curious, statistic-wise. Raise your hand. Very few in the room. Nothing wrong with you, all right? Uh, you just don't dream. You know, dreams occur in our um, rim, rim sleep. When we're having good sleep, slumbering, dreams occur. Dreams often involve, if not usually involve, people we know, right? Environments we've been in. Um, Not all dreams are good. We call those nightmares, all right? and, And there's medium nightmares and severe nightmares. I had a nightmare this week. And I, we'll just stop there, right? <laughs> you don't need to hear my nightmare. It involved church, though, I will say that. <laughs> so, hey, that's what I do, right? Um, I'm here with you. There are two key characters in Acts 10. First of all, there's Cornelius. We're about to look at him. Cornelius. Who is Cornelius. Um, First of all, Cornelius is a Roman centurion. That means that Cornelius has at least 100 men under his command. As we'll see as we read, these men under Cornelius' command were most likely recruited in Italy. Now, don't write off a man with 100 people under his command. Because literally in a Roman empire, the soldiers on the ground were critical. An emperor could rise or fall based on the effectiveness of these soldiers. These soldiers could have you flogged, just look at you and call out that you be flogged. These soldiers could have you condemned to death. These soldiers could have your home demolished. They had clout, and they typically had great respect of the people around them. A so-so soldier would be sent to the backwoods of the empire. A good stellar soldier would be sent to a key place in the empire. Such was Caesarea, where we find Cornelius. Let's look here at the early part 
of our story. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that's like uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God come to him and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here it's very interesting that we have a Roman, a Roman soldier who prays regularly, he apparently has departed from the worship of the Roman gods. He is faithful to one God. He prays regularly. He gives to the poor. He has brought his household into the same, we're going to call faith, that he possessed. He is not a Jewish proselyte even though he most likely believed in the one true God of the Jewish people. Character number two, Peter. Now we know a lot more about Peter. You know most likely a lot more about Peter than you do about Cornelius. Peter, um, just forgive me, he's a big mouth, okay? He, he talked first and thought after he talked. He made huge statements. I have a friend, I, I wouldn't call him a follower of Jesus, but I have a friend that he writes off Peter totally and says we shouldn't believe anything about Peter. We shouldn't respect Peter because he's a betrayer. He's a denier. He's a failure. He turned his back on Jesus. Well, I don't believe in that type um, of response to Peter. Quite honestly, I've identified with Peter. You see, I failed. I failed. I failed miserably. I've sank. Peter was the one who boldly got up on the water and he's walking and then he sees the, sees the waves and he sinks in the water. Peter's the one who said, Jesus, even though everyone turns their back on you, I will never turn my back on you. And what does he do? He turns his back on Jesus and denies him three times. But you see, this Peter experiences incredible transformation. 
He's a different man in the book of Acts than he was in the gospel. Okay? He speaks on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. He stands boldly. He professes Christ. He heals the sick. He teaches about Jesus. The authorities there in Jerusalem tell him, stop talking about Jesus. And he says, I cannot but speak about that which I've seen and that which I know. I'm rather encouraged, just as I say that Peter had blown it in the past, Peter was not perfect, even in the book of Acts. Any perfect people in here? Anyone? All right, some of you have not had dreams, but uh, just don't raise your hand if you're perfect. I don't know that would go over well, all right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I think that's settled. Peter wasn't perfect. Peter was not perfect. You see, Peter still had some problems. He had problems in the way he saw various people. In fact, he had problems in in the way he viewed a large group of people. You know, you and I might have problems in the way we view people, some people, individual people, some people in our lives right now, or even groups of people. Let's look at what happened to Peter. Verse nine, the next day, now remember Cornelius has gathered two servants and a soldier and sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey, it's about a 30-mile journey. They could have got there in one day. They've slept one night, and now they're approaching the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. This is about noontime. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, never, I'll never do that. By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing, the sheet was taken up at once to heaven. Now, Peter's in a trance. Peter's very hungry, all right? I'm a little hungry right now. You hungry? Oh, no, there's too many people hungry. (laughs) That's a problem. I'm headed to the Adriatic Cafe after church. Bob Boozer introduced me, I don't know if he's in here, to the Adriatic Cafe over in 290. 
It's good food, those bread knots. Oh, my word. Puts me in a trance just thinking about it. Peter's lit. I mean, he is hungry, no joke. They're cooking a meal for him, no joke. He goes into a trance, and what is the trance about? It's about eating. It's about eating. But you see, Peter is a Jew, as was all of the disciples. They lived kosher lives. They did not eat animals that were unclean. And so Peter, he has this vision and he says, never, I will not eat that which is common or unclean. And God says, do not call anything common or unclean. Peter was fixated on food. He was fixated on diet. God is focused on people. God is focused on people. You see, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, We can easily label individuals, groups of people, even whole races or religious followers. We can label them, we can see them as less than us. We can see them as unclean. Now don't look at that in a filthy connotation. but less than, not as good as I am. Maybe from a particular socioeconomic class, maybe a particular vocation. I think the technical or the politically correct term is sanitary workers, men who work on the garbage trucks. They make a lot of money, by the way. Uh, I was a glorified paper boy. Um, my wife called me um, Dr. Paper Boy. I had my doctorate, and I, um, we were church planting um, up near Washington, D.C., and so I worked a route for the Washington Post in a, like a UPS truck. You know, you might think of someone as delivering papers as someone who doesn't make much money. My boss made over $100,000 a year because of his Washington Post route. Isn't that kind of crazy? Uh, Last week, I had so much garbage and we'd cleaned out our house at the curb, cleaned out some things we brought back from my dad's house that I felt bad. It was raining. I went out and helped the guys at the truck load the truck. Also, boxes got wet and books were laying everywhere. You say, Dale, you're on thin ice. You're talking about specific people. You think about specific people. Why can't I talk about specific people? You maybe have ridden off particular people. You would never think of being a conduit of the good news to their lives. You're never going to get in close proximity to them. How are you going to share the gospel with them? Peter had that perspective. He did. 
He had that perspective. The same man who spoke on the day of Pentecost, the same man who boldly proclaimed Jesus, the same man who healed the sick, there is a religious rootedness to who he was. I don't deny that. I'm simply saying Israel was supposed to be blessed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And they had come to a place where they were, had a better than thou attitude. And they judged other peoples. They thought things about these other peoples that were not true. And by the way, the other peoples, this is all documented historically, thought things about the Jewish people that were not true. God wanted Peter to join him in what he was doing. God wanted Peter to join him in what he was already doing. Who had a vision first? Who? Cornelius. Was God working in Cornelius' life before Peter had the trance? The timetable's very clear, folks. You see, God is working long before we get there, long before we are bearers of good news, long before we're loving those that at one time we thought, I could never love them. I could never be their friend. I, I just, I detest them. How am I going to serve them? Not only did God want Peter to join him in what he's doing. God wants you. And God wants me to join him in what he's doing. I just want that to set in. You know, there's no mountain high enough. The overwhelming love of God. He leaves the 99 to search for one. You and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. The world will never experience the love, the good news of Jesus Christ if we do not bear, carry that good news to all peoples. Good news. Good news. Our Christmas messages, the message to the shepherds, good news to all the peoples. Let's look a little further. Acts 10, verse 25. So Peter makes the journey with the men Cornelius had sent. When Peter entered, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. 
And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. This is that household that Cornelius had influence upon. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You see the translation, the transition from food to people? God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why, I asked then why you sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright shining clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we all are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. All that you have been commanded by the Lord. You see, Peter had within himself the most incredible message on the face of the earth. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you carry that same message. We're carriers, not of something bad, but of something good. Not of something bad, but of something good. And God is looking to us to share good news, right? There are two simple principles God wants you, he wants me to join him and what he is doing. And as I've said already, God is at work in people's lives long before we get there. He wants us to join him. That's what Peter's doing. He's joining him in what God had already begun in Cornelius's life. In 1879, um, there was a man, last name Lowell, Lowell. He was an astronomer, 1877. He was the first to propose that there was intelligent life on Mars. I think we have a picture of Mars up here. I don't know if you can see it. I can't see it too good. Mars is a perfect sphere, um, not an uh, egg. Just want to make that clear, all right? <laughs> Just want to kind of make that clear. And so why did he propose that there was intelligent life on Mars? He proposed that because he had seen through his telescope canals on the surface of Mars, he believed those canals indicated intelligent life. 
There was a small group of people that knew from the very beginning of what he was proposing that it was not true. The group of people were his physicians. You see, um, this astronomer named Lowell had a disease that had never been known about before. He actually, when he focused on something too long, the blood vessels in his eyes would create that which looked like lines or canals on that which he was viewing. It's called Lowell Syndrome to this day. You see, he carried within himself that which obstructed his vision. He carried within himself that which you might say perverted his vision. So did Peter. Before this incident, Peter's vision was distorted. He could not see Gentiles the way God wanted him to see Gentiles. The only way he saw a Gentile becoming a follower of Christ was for him all to, also to embrace Judaism, also to be circumcised, also to jump through these hoops, and a conclusion would be that the gospel of Christ was not enough. And there was nothing further from the truth. Peter goes on to share good news to those in Cornelius' household. I just want to read again Acts 10.28. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. This was more than a point where the facts became clear to Peter's mind This was a work of God in Peter's heart. God wants to work in our heart. God wants to remind us that he left the 99 to come to us. God wants to remind us that there are no favorites in his kingdom. God wants to remind us that there should be no prejudice in our lives. You see, prejudice occurs out of ignorance. Prejudice occurs out of fear. Prejudice occurs out of false stereotypes. And prejudice is not just about race. It's not just about race. C.S. Lewis is a young boy. Um, N.T. Wright tells this story, but C.S. Lewis says these words, Daddy, I have a prejudice. By the way, he was six or seven. Daddy, I have a prejudice against the French. Why, asked his father, not unreasonably. C.S. Lewis says, 
If I knew that, if I knew that, it wouldn't be a prejudice. If I knew that, it wouldn't be a prejudice. You see, prejudice is just that, prejudging someone without all the facts. Are you willing to allow God to use you as a messenger of good news to people in whose lives he's already working? You see, it stretches us. It doesn't stretch God. He's already at work. Are you willing to join him in what he's doing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your pursuing love. We thank you that you went to Cornelius and we thank you that you come to us. You draw us to yourself, but Father, we most desperately need good news. Our world desperately needs the gospel. You are at work. May we not write people off. You transformed the world through a dream and a trance. Father, may we allow you to change our hearts. Father, we celebrate grace right now. We celebrate your love. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to pray with our prayer partners. Father, may we be reminded of the day in which we were in great need and may we be reminded of the person or persons who met us right where we were with the love of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to come forward at this time. Here at Cypher Christian Church, we um, serve communion. Technically, it's called intinction. Um, You're given a piece of bread representing the body of Christ. The body of Christ broken for you. And then there's a cup the blood of Christ shed for you and you dip that bread in the cup. May you truly celebrate, celebrate the grace of God this morning. As we continue worshiping, a very simple question. Are you willing to make life adjustments so that God might use you? So that God might use you to engage people in whose life God's already working. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. He said, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. 
To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. If you've been blessed by the gospel, share what you've been blessed by with others. Be willing to make an adjustment. Be willing to be stretched out of your comfort zone. Peter was. If Peter was, surely we often need to be as well. Prayer partners are in back. Prayer partners are up front. Um, Please um, feel free to pray. Father God, we thank you for your love, your unending love. You are merciful and mighty. And God, we know we can only come to you through the love and the work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection that gives us hope as we leave this place. Be with us as we go, God. We thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.